This is Sean Smithgall and Taylor Stuber, your host of the PGT Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore different topics related to postgraduate training preparation for pharmacy students. Through our series, we hope to give a down-to-earth, enticing discussion on how to prepare for postgraduate training application. We have a special guest with us today, again, back for another podcast, Dr. Hannah Gibson, uh, PGY1 at Huntsville Hospital. Thanks for being with us on the podcast today. Thank you, Taylor. I'm happy to be here. Hannah, for our sponsored trivia question for the day, we would like you to present us with the trivia. Okay, so what is the national animal of Scotland? The national animal of Scotland. I was in Ireland for a month. I should know this. Uh, I think it's the, um, the badger. You got a guess, Taylor? A badger. I'm just, um, I'm just guessing. <laughs> so I was going to say a armadillo. It's a unicorn. No that, way. It's a unicorn. Is that not crazy? Wow, we were way off. Yeah, so, I should have said sheep. Which one have been the right answer? Well, well, the topic today is forecasts or the pharmacy online residency centralized application service. That's a mouthful. It's quite a name. So let's get into this. So I guess first question for you guys, just what is forecasts and why is it important to prospective students? It's that thing that takes all your money, right? (laughs) Sure. So forecasts is where all the programs are listed that you can apply for residencies and you kind of, they give each give a little blurb about who they are and, you know, what they kind of have to offer. It's also where you upload your resume, your CVs, and your letters of intent and that sort of thing. It's kind of basically everything you put about yourself that you're going to send to these programs. Yeah, without it, you cannot apply to programs, at least to accredited programs. I think it's a great tool. I think it repeats a lot of stuff. So speaking of uh, repetition and copying, do you really have to copy everything from your CV onto forecasts? I I know that's some of the information that's out there. So are are RPDs really going to care? Do you really need to do all that? I took the time to do it. I feel like I wanted to present myself as someone that maybe went above and beyond. So if they looked at it, kudos to me. And if they didn't, well, it, it honestly, once you started doing it, it doesn't take a ton of your time, but I did repeat. Which is the right choice. I, I did not, but I'm going to speak from my perspective of a pharmacy resident when I was reviewing these and say that, yes, you need to retype everything in there because the first thing the people see when they look at your application is all that extra typed in stuff. The last thing they'll look at is your CV. Those are usually at the end of the documents. And now it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure the first thing I see is the forecast version of everything. Yeah, and one, one other thing that kind of comes to mind with, with those additional descriptions and forecasts is that it, it offers you the opportunity to kind of explain some of those things that are on your CV where you might not have descriptions. So your, your preceptors or your mentors might have told you not to include descriptions on everything, or maybe you do, but um, if you don't, you have the opportunity here to expand on that a little bit, which I think can be really helpful to certain programs, especially if you had a big role within something. Mm-hmm. So, it's not going to hurt. It's right. not going to hurt to do it. Absolutely. I know one of the big considerations with all of this is is the cost that it is to apply to these programs and forecasts with the cost rising each year that we see for the number of programs 
So is there a magic number of programs to apply to, do you all think, or what, what's your all's take on that? I wouldn't say there's a magic number at all. I probably applied for too many, some might say. I applied for about 15. I had friends that applied for two or three. So I think I don't think there's really a magic number. I just think it depends on maybe how much you've allocated money. Because I knew that I had saved money for this process in particular. So I think, you know, that's something I'd kind of planned for because I knew I wanted, I really wanted a residency and I was willing to kind of move around and try out a couple different places. So I think I applied to 10 in the first phase and then in the uh, scramble, because we still had to use forecast and scramble back then, which would now be phase two. I applied to 14 programs. So it was costly. I think it cost me upwards of five, $600. So you got to ask yourself, is it, can you really put a price on a residency or, or, <laughs> or yeah. postgraduate training? And uh, the answer is yes, you absolutely can put a price on that because you only have so much money, right? Sure. Um, Which also kind of goes back to what we have spoken about in previous podcasts is kind of how maybe you rank as a candidate, you know, if you might need to apply to a few more places. So I think having a mentor that can kind of help you with that, no person's going to have a magic number. I think everyone has a different magic number for themselves. That kind of makes sense. So it doesn't hurt to apply for more, but definitely as far as finances go, just make sure you plan for that because it is an expensive process. Yes, absolutely. And, and take into consideration too, every time you plan on applying to a program, if you really want to get your money's worth, you should really be tailoring your stuff, which I know we're not talking about letter intent and stuff now, but ideally would want to tailor your application materials for that program as much as possible. So if you're just going to add another program and copy and paste the same thing you sent to a previous program, except changing the title, like the hospital or wherever you're applying to, it may not be worth it. Kind of weigh that in, you know, did I, did I put in the extra effort to apply to this program? And so therefore maybe it's more worth it to pay that extra money. Real quick, there is a, an incentive to apply to more than just a few programs. I believe like their first four programs is like a hundred dollars. And then each additional one is cheaper than the original three or four that you apply to. So it does get cheaper. It does. Still- and I think, you know, you might as well use your max your, that they're mm-hmm. you're given. I had some friends that just, oh, we want to do a couple, but anything, even with interviews, more you have, the better you get at them. And so I think, I guess the magic number would start with doing the max that they offer with the bundle price, but yeah, they do get a little cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, what I've always heard is, you know, you can expect if you apply to a certain number of programs to maybe get roughly half or so of your interviews that you that you apply to. So you have to kind of think about one, am I applying to if I'm applying to 50 programs and I get 25 interview offers, am I going to realistically be able to go to all of those interviews or am I just throwing money out the out the window? So travel and and Moving, moving throughout um, the United States for interviews is another kind of consideration with, with all of that. Yeah, that's a great point. One of the other things with Forecast, one of its functions is, is to upload transcripts. And I know that that, especially during the time of year that it is, it can be kind of a stressful process for some students. So can you all just maybe, Hannah, what was your recent experience as far as uploading transcripts and what advice would you have for that? So I would say with everything, the earlier, the better. I definitely um, think that even if you, let's say you really wanted your November's grade to show up, I always say it's better to send the transcript and then 
have at least one on your application and then if you you can send another so I wanted to make sure that I had everything that the program was requesting even if it wasn't the most up-to-date I would at least meet their minimum requirement if that makes sense so it took a while especially with like not just with transcripts, but even with your recommendation letters, asking people early for those too, because stuff like that takes time and it takes time to upload. So definitely with transcripts, if your school has to mail them to somewhere, those people also have to upload them in a number of amount of time. So you have at least 15 days to do that. Well, that's already, you're already a month almost in at that point. So Definitely the earlier. I started sending mine in November, early November, and then would resend. Students wait till they get that fall semester grades, which is at December time. And it's a scram it's a scramble. I know a lot of my classmates when we went through it, waited to the last minute and then because it has to go through the mail, like you said, get to forecast, then they have to verify and retype in your transcript, which is then you have to go and verify that they typed it in the right way, which they will make mistakes on occasion. But once they verify that, that takes a while because someone has to manually enter your transcript in the forecast. So I know a lot of my peers would just sit there and they're like, they still haven't uploaded it. And the panic starts to set in as you get close to some of these deadlines. But what we found out retrospectively was that you can apply to a program even if your transcript isn't in. You can click the button to apply and it will send your application. And then if you're, when your transcripts are added, it will update your profile. So don't wait to apply just because transcripts aren't in. If there is some sort of problem, go ahead and apply to those programs and just hopefully it gets in there before they start reviewing you. Yeah, and I think another thing is just to make sure that you're aware of uh, your universities or your school's uh, registrar's office and um, making sure that you're asking them to send the transcripts before they close for a lot of times they're on winter break when all this is going on. So having that in advance and knowing when that is, and I don't think it hurts to, that's what I did as well as I had them send the transcripts before those fall grades were in and then just have them send it once those grades were actually updated and finalized. And the other thing to consider and, and, something that you might not think about, but being on the other side of it now is a lot of the programs and the program directors, they, they know the time of year that this is all going or taking place. So they're, they're aware that there's issues with transcripts sometimes and, you know, they're willing to work with it and, mm -hmm. and kind of have that in mind. So don't, don't stress too much about it. Um, as long as you're, you're prepared and you're you, ahead of the game, I think you're, you'll be fine with, with all of that. Wanted to ask one more question uh, for this session, but do y'all have just any tips or tricks or advice to students that we haven't discussed yet today as far as forecasts and applying in the application process is concerned? Forecasts wanted, when I was applying, wanted a lot of things in PDF form. I think it's better to send, it looks more professional, but that would sometimes change how your CV or your letter of intent was kind of formulated or it would make it up double paged or that sort of thing so if you're kind of wanting something to look visually appealing to make sure that you save everything as pdfs before you upload because it changes how things are formatted a lot of times so i kind of did that i just had a whole file saved on my computer just saved everything as far as my letters go that sort of thing and i kind of like you said i didn't use a blank template i mean i had a 
an idea of what I kind of generally wanted to say, but each place that I interviewed to kind of changed that up a little bit. But as far as forecast goes, I think also letting your preceptors know when deadlines are to your earliest program, because you want those to be in before those deadlines as well. Yeah, my one tip would be with the actual selecting programs. With my program, it offered a PGY-1 and it offered a managed care, but they were both listed under the title of Geisinger. So make sure you're picking the right program. Make sure the program codes match up to the directory because that can be huge. If you send your stuff to the wrong program, they're probably not going to, they're probably going to be a little confused. So make sure your program codes match up. Double, triple check everything. Did I steal yours, Taylor? <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. Double, you absolutely stole mine. Nice. And I, I was going to, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Hannah was saying, but I think with, with all the materials, just making sure that you're double and triple checking, making sure that you, you have your letter of intent attached and your reference writers attached to the right program so that they know the, the programs won't look at your application and see that it was written to another program. Um, so before you hit that irreversible e-submit button, make sure that you're checking those things and, and making sure that that it all matches up appropriately. Cause that's the easiest way to not get an interview is to. And that's something that I didn't know with when applying is when you ask a preceptor or a mentor, someone to write a letter for you, if you want a general letter or a letter specific to a program, because whatever you ask them, you can send them as many places that you want, you know? So if I, I had ended up having you know, maybe I only needed three references, but I had six different people writing me letters. I kind of could pick who I wanted to go and if I, who I would send certain places to. And I, I, sometimes people forget that. So, yes, it's something to be careful with, but you can also, you know, ask your professors or whoever, can you specifically write to this place? You know, maybe they have a connection there, that sort of thing. Definitely um, can do that as well. Or a general one if it was a boss or something like that. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Hannah, thank you so much for being here with us today and joining us on this edition of the PGT podcast. Thank you all to our listeners for tuning into this episode. Uh, we'll see you next time.